0: The date that all Jews had to leave Spain was also the 9th of Av. And and it goes on. There were some terrible crusades that happened on the 9th of Av. There were particularly bad situations that happened on the 9th of Av. But then it also becomes a date where we remember and mourn anti-Semitism, the oppression of the Jewish people, beginning with the destruction of Solomon's Temple all the way till today.
1: You are listening to Keeping It Israel, brought to you by First Century Foundations. This podcast explores how your Christian faith is connected to Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's your host, Executive Director of First Century Foundations, Jeff Feuders.
2: Well, welcome to the podcast today. My name is Jeff, and I'm your host, and uh, we are so happy to have a returning guest today. Sandra Barras is the director of CFOIC Heartland's Israel office, and the Christian Friends of Israeli Communities Heartland is the only Christian organization to focus exclusively on the communities of the heartland of biblical Israel. She lives in a small Sumerian town called Carne Shomron, which we had a pleasure of visiting her there earlier this spring. Sandra, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you here.
0: It's great to be back.
2: Uh, in our last podcast, we talked with you about the significance of of Kristallnacht and anti-Semitism. We talked biblically about the quote-unquote occupied territories. And uh, if you didn't hear that podcast, by the way, if you're watching, listening, that would be a great one for you to go back and, and check out. We encourage you to do that. And if you've never uh, listened before, Sandra, we want to just get you to please just tell us a little bit about yourself and the incredible work that you do at CFOI.
0: Oh, well, my pleasure. So I am not a Christian. Uh, I'm an Orthodox Jew and have found myself in a very unusual place to be the director of the Israel office of a Christian organization called Christian Friends of Israeli Communities. Uh, And, you know, I actually fell into this many years ago. Uh, The organization has been around for almost 25 years and what we do is we reach out to Christians all over the world and connect them to the Jewish communities in Judean Samaria. Uh, this is where I live. I live in Samaria. I've lived here for many years, and from the beginning, uh, you know, I have been very involved, either initially volunteer and later professionally, in advocating for these communities, often referred to as the settlements. And I like to say that. They're probably the single most misunderstood area of Israel. This tremendous controversy. You know, you referred earlier to the occupied areas. Of course, that's not a word that we subscribe to. For us, this is the heart of biblical Israel. And we have rightfully returned to land that really belongs to the Jewish people. So, you know, this is what we're doing. We're reaching out. We're educating we're enabling Christians to come in and actually visit these communities, not only on my porch, but on people's porches all over Judea and Samaria. And of course, we also have a lot of projects that we're involved with in the communities themselves, helping the people who live here, strengthening them, strengthening the communities. And it is all being done with the help of support coming from Christians all over the world.
2: Well, Sandra, the 9th of Av, or uh, Tisha B'Av, I don't know if I'm saying that right. You can correct me. This is fast approaching. I think it's starting this Shabbat, actually, the 6th of August in the evening. Can you please explain what the name means and what is it that uh, this, this observance commemorates?
0: Okay, well, it's actually very biblical, Okay, on the ninth of Av, and that would be in biblical terms, it would be the ninth day of the fifth month. Uh, that is the day that the first temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, the uh, emperor king of uh, whatever of Babylon, and it marked the beginning of the first exile um, uh, when the Jews went to Babylon, uh, where they were they sat in exile for seventy years. Uh, Fascinating, really, enough, the very same date, um, almost 500 years or more than 500 years later, uh, the second temple was destroyed by the Romans. So um, this event, the destruction of the first temple, we know from the Bible, is truly a watershed event. We know about it from the book of Second Kings. We know about it from the book of Jeremiah, Um, the book of Lamentations. Uh, which is, we believe, is also written by Jeremiah, uh, is a book of of exactly what it is—lamentations. It's it's poetry. It's crying out. It's it's describing the the terrible situation in Jerusalem before and after the destruction uh, of the temple. And it wasn't just that the temple was destroyed; it was the end of Jewish sovereignty. It was a uh, perse- terrible, terrible persecution by, B- by the Babylonians. And of course, we have that described for us in the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the, one of the, you know, what we find, though, is aside from these first te- the first and second temple, was throughout Jewish history, there were some really terrible things that happened to the Jewish people that fell on that date as well. Uh, so, for example, the Spanish Inquisition, I don't know how many people are aware of of how the Inquisition uh, uh, affected the Jews, but at the time, we're talking about 1492. uh, In 1492, Spain had the largest Jewish community in the world, and we're talking about millions of Jews who were living on the Iberian Peninsula, and who were, you know, if you think about, if you can compare something to something today, it's like the Jews in the United States. They were very accepted in the country. They were advisors to the king and queen. They had businesses. They had, you know, community synagogues, so many things. And um, in 1492, the, the king and queen of Spain, Ferdinand and Isabella, signed a decree that every single Jew had to either leave Spain or convert to Catholicism. And people who didn't, people who converted and were suspected of being Really, crypto Jews um, were burnt at the stake, and it was a terrible, terrible time. Well, that date—the date that all Jews had to leave Spain—was also the ninth of Av, and and it goes on. There were some terrible crusades that happened on the ninth of Av. There were particularly bad situations that happened on the ninth of Av. But then it also becomes a date where we remember and mourn anti-Semitism, the oppression of the Jewish people, beginning with the Mm -hmm. destruction of Solomon's Temple, all the way till today.
2: Wow, I did not know about those dates coinciding, especially, uh, you know, the Spanish Inquisition. That's very, very intriguing. And... um... Make sense, you know, to think about uh, sort of observing uh, or 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 mourning those things altogether on uh, on this day. So so today in in Israel or uh, you know Jews around the world, how is this observed uh, in modern times?
0: Well, um, it is a fast day. Start with that. It's a day, and and when we fast, we don't eat or drink. Okay. So it's a day where we fast. It's a day. Um, it's very similar in what we do or don't do to the day of Atonement, but it's a completely different kind of fast and a completely different day. And as we don't eat or drink, and and we don't we don't um, you know go out celebrate. You know, it's 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 a serious day. Mm-hmm. But whereas the day of Atonement is a serious day that is spiritually uplifting. It's a it's a very happy day because we're engrossed in prayer and believe that at the end of the day we will be forgiven by god for all our sins of the previous year the ninth of Av is a day of mourning and so the atmosphere is completely different we begin at night um right as soon as the the uh, fast day begins and this year the fast day begins right with the ending of of, uh, shabbat with the ending of, of sabbath saturday night and so we go to the synagogue And we sit on the floor. Now we have comfortable chairs in the synagogue, but the custom is we sit on the floor or we sit on low stools. Hmm. Um, for those of us who are above 60, it's sometimes a little difficult to sit on the floor, but we have these low stools. And in fact, the (laughs) synagogue, either you bring them from home, the synagogue has stacks of stools and you sit on them. This is a sign of mourning. Uh, and there's indications even in the Bible that when you mourn, you're sitting on the ground or you're sitting you know, in the mm-hmm. dirt, that kind of thing. So it's it's that same idea that we observe today. The lights in the synagogue are dimmed. You have just enough light to read by, but all those big bright fluorescents that usually are lit are not. It's it's a much dimmer light. And um it and usually when you have a prayer service, there's somebody who stands up in the middle. Uh, he's standing you know what we call the bima and he's you know leading the whole congregation. Well, the people leading the service are also sitting on the floor, and what we're doing is reading from the Book of lamentations in our uh, synagogue, there are five chapters in our synagogue, somebody different people take each chapter and they read it out loud. The melody is a very it's kind of a dirge it's it's a very you know it's sad it's it's a you know mournful tune. Uh, and it's all tradition, by the way, the same tune has been chanted, you know, for, for centuries and fathers teach their mm-hmm. sons, et cetera. My husband always chants one, one of the chapters and they have, you know, five people, each one take a chapter and they chant it. And, and it's a very somber day. And then the next day, of course, there's prayers and there's, there's, we don't read again the book of lamentations, but we have other lamentations. We have poems, um, that have been written over the centuries talking about people who went through um, a pogrom, people who suffered through uh, one of the Crusades, uh, you know, writing about what happened. So it's not only something that may have happened on the 9th of Av, but for us, when you think about it, the destruction of the temple, particularly now the second temple, really was the catalyst for all of this. Why did all these persecutions happen? Why did the Holocaust happen? Because we didn't have, we weren't in our own land. We were not independent mm-hmm. in our land, enjoying God's favor. And so we can trace every single type of persecution uh, against the Jewish people since the destruction of the second temple to to that day. And so that becomes um, wow. a time of remembering. And we don't go to work. Uh, some people go to work in the afternoon, but you know, you're, not to not go to work and have a day off and you know, let's go have a picnic, but just to stay home and to, you know, very often um, – it's a day that we're not supposed to study Bible. Why? I mean, there's exceptions. Why? Because Bible is something that gives you enjoyment. However, yes, study the book of Job. Study the book of Lamentations. You know, study. Mm. We have many, many sources that tell the stories um, going all the way back to, to stories that are told about what happened in the time of the Romans. We have these things preserved in our heritage. Read and study those stories. So very often, for example, in our synagogue, the rabbi gives a talk in the afternoon. And it's, it's not a regular Bible class, it is focusing on some source that we have, uh, and what it means and what it means for us.
2: Mm. So very somber, very reflective uh, day, 24 hour period. I, uh, I think that's good. That helps people to understand, you know, the scope of what it is that's kind of wrapped up in this sometimes it's easy to oversimplify and just say well it's you know mourning the destruction of the first and second temple well it sounds like it's a, a lot more than that and I think that um, it's good for us to understand those things you've talked a little bit about the history how far back has this been commemorated do you know I mean is there reference in in the Bible to this being commemorated or has this something that's come sort of through tradition following following the, uh, the time of those writings?
0: Well, it actually is mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Zechariah, a uh, very, very interesting situation that happens here. In chapter eight, um, there is this, uh, it, no, excuse me, it starts in chapter seven. Chapter seven, we learn that somebody sends a letter, okay, to the priests uh, in Jerusalem, and they're asking them a question. Now, What? when is Zechariah? Zechariah, this is taking place when they've already started to return to the land of Israel. The the 70 years is over. Right. You know, Jeremiah prophesied that there will be an exile in Babylon for 70 years. The 70 years is over. They already have people started to come back. Let's say this is, you know, it's taking place somewhere in the middle of, let's say, Ezra and Nehemiah. That's more the story that, that, that tell us about this period. And so at that time, someone sends a letter and it says as follows, shall I weep and practice abstinence in the fifth month as I have been doing all these years? This is the fifth month. Uh-huh. And I, by the way, I will also note that while the fast day is on the ninth of Av, of, 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 from the first day of the month already, we are in a period of semi-mourning we don't do fun things nobody gets married during that period of time nobody uh nobody goes out to to a concert or you know you don't you don't buy new clothes even you know like it's a and i'll tell you what else we don't do okay. we don't even we don't eat meat or drink wine except on the sabbath during that time okay we're sticking to dairy products you know if, if christians might think about lent perhaps it's 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 a similar kind of thing okay so okay that they're asking this question. Why are they asking this question? Because they're now back in Jerusalem and they've begun to build the second temple. So maybe we can cancel the morning. And I, and actually, so, so first of all, that's a record of the fact that this is really what, and it goes on. He says, um, the, uh, this is what Zechariah is talking about. And then he talks about the answer that he gives. But as part of the answer, he says as follows, he says, when you fasted and lamented in the fifth and seventh months, all these seventy years, did you fast for my benefit? This is what God is essentially saying through Zechariah. But He's talking about the fifth and mm-hmm. the seventh month, and the seventh month is uh, on the on the third day of of Tishri, third day of the seventh month. There's another fast um, that is because of the murder of Gedaliah, son of Achikam, that we learn about. Uh, at the end of the book of Kings and at the end of the book of Jeremiah, which is seen to be like the last straw of this whole terrible thing that happened, um, you know, during, during this uh, destruction of the temple uh, uh, mm. by the Babylonians. So, so that's for certainly an indication, but what so why this chapter, this whole story echoes so strongly for us because many people in Israel have been asking the very same question. For example, if you read um, Lamentations, okay, what is it talking about? Jerusalem, Jerusalem has been destroyed. It, it was once such a beautiful city, and now it's just terrible. And it, it, you go on and you read all of these prayers that have been composed for this day um, that are talking about, oh, you know, we mourn the, the 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 destruction of the temple, and here we are with Jerusalem destroyed. And you say, but wait, but wait. Jerusalem is no longer destroyed. We in our generation are witnessing an amazing, you know, Jerusalem is beautiful. It's built up. It's the largest city in Israel. You know, what do we do with this? And so you can imagine that this was the same kind of thing that the people were asking in the time of Zechariah. And what's interesting is that God doesn't really answer the question. He really doesn't. He says there there are two, three different messages. He says, first of all, basically, he says, what are you asking me for? I don't eat and I don't fast. Which is very interesting because what God is actually saying here is that Hmm. this is your way of expressing mourning. So you get to decide if you want to continue or not. The next thing he says is, thus said the Lord of the hosts, execute true justice, deal loyally and compassionately with one another. Do not defraud the the widow, the orphan, the stranger, and the poor, and do not plot evil against one another. And basically what he's saying is the issue here is not whether or not you should fast and whether or not we have a temple, but did you learn your lesson? Have you learned how to treat mm. people kindly and correct all those things that Jeremiah and others were talking about, which is the reason the temple was destroyed to begin with? And at the very end, at the end of chapter eight, he goes back to us and he says, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth month, the fast of the seventh month, and the fast of the 10th month. And these indeed are four fasts. We do all of them. So I mentioned the fifth and the seventh. The fourth month is a month ago where there's a fast day. Um, because it was when the siege of Jerusalem, when when they broke through the siege and and broke through the walls uh, of Jerusalem. And the 10th month is when the siege began. So these are all, dates mm. that that commemorate things that, that were going on. So, you know, during the first temple by the Babylonians. And so we know about these facts, go all the way back to Zechariah. And he says, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth month, the fast of the seventh month, and the fast of the 10th month shall become occasions for joy and gladness, happy festivals for the house of Judah, but you must love honesty and integrity. And the way, I mean, we're still fasting, obviously. And again, a lot of the fast mm. is enabling us to remember, okay, we're in better times now, but look what we went through. But also, we're not there yet. I don't think we can say that everything is glorious and joy and happy. You know, we're still threatened. In Israel, for example, we're threatened by enemies all the time who are fueled by the same anti-Semitism that, was, that brought us the various oppressions we had over the centuries.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a tremendous overview, and uh, you answered some of my questions even as you were speaking. But uh, I did want to reference that text in Zechariah eight nineteen, and the the prophetic words there, that these fasts will eventually become, you know, uh, joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for for the house of Judah. So, um, you know, not to put you on the spot, but when, when? When do you think this might be fulfilled?
0: Well, we're all waiting for Messiah. Christians are waiting for him for the second time. We believe he hasn't come yet. Um, but there's no question if we go through the various prophetic um words in the Bible that talk about it, Isaiah, you know, it, it, just think about Isaiah 2, it, It's just such a beautiful, beautiful um you know, description. Uh and it's certainly a time of, of joy. It's a time, you know, if you think about it for a second, um Isaiah says um Let us go up to the mount of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For instruction shall come forth from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So, the basis for Um. all of this is that there has to be a universal recognition that it is God who reigns in this world. So, we're quite far from that right now. Uh, Thus, he will judge among the nations and arbitrate for the many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not take up sword against nation they shall never again know war. Uh, so we have this idyllic situation, no question, when that happens, we will be totally joyful. We won't have to worry about, is Iran trying to destroy us and nuke us to, you know, to kingdom come? Um, and so that's a whole different situation. And we, we don't know when that will happen, but we, we believe that we're certainly closer to that time than ever before. Because if, I just think of my own family, you know, I'm imagining what my mother-in-law would have felt in Germany in 1936 or 1937, you know, what her ninth above would have been like. She was, and, and she wasn't even the worst of it. It was, the worst was yet to come. But can you imagine, you know, here she feels like um, she was doing great in Germany and all of a sudden all the oppression of Hitler and, and that's being felt terribly by the Jews in Germany in those years, how that must have affected her ninth above. And she said, here we go again. Here we go again. So right. here, even right. though I'm sitting in Israel, and I can say Iran is trying to destroy it. I can't go look around and say, here we go again, because look where we are. We we are in our own country. Jerusalem has been rebuilt. I have gorgeous trees out of my patio. You know, Jeremiah says, again, you will till the the vineyards of, of, of Samaria. My goodness, you know, here it is. So, yeah, we're getting there.
2: We're getting there. Yes, you do have gorgeous trees out on your patio. They were loaded with uh with fruit the day that we were there. And um also there's just many love traveling around Israel. There's many beautiful uh wineries and and uh you know, uh vineyards. It's amazing to see how the country has uh has developed even in the, you know, almost 20 years that I've been going. I, it's hard to believe really what's uh what's taking place. So Sandra, I want to just—I'll take a little bit of a of a dark turn here and and go easy on us, all right? But we've had many discussions on this podcast about, you know, Christianity's role in the persecution of Jews throughout history and and how the Bible really calls us to bless the Jewish people. And I want to say, I want to say Christianity in terms of the, you know, the 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 bucket that is called Christianity, because I believe, I believe that um, many. Christians, quote unquote, Christians in the past didn't act like uh, you know Christians are supposed to act, and uh, that's where I would sort of come from this. But but organized Christianity uh, has been a problem for the Jewish people. So so talk to me just a little bit, kind of from your perspective. You know, you're, we're talking about sort of mourning all of these things, the destruction of the temples, the the anti-Semitism that's gone on in the past. What was your understanding of Christian history when you were growing up? You know, what what are you taught about Christians as as uh, you know, Jewish children, for example?
0: Well, I have to say, growing up in the United States of America, I would say among my friends, if I just look at the people that were in my class in school, I went to a Jewish school, I would say the class was divided in half on this issue. And it really depended where your parents were from. So I I grew up, uh, my parents also grew up in the United States, Okay and none of them had had suffered any outright persecution although my mother as a baby did have to flee europe just ahead of hitler but she she got out before they were actually persecuted my grandfather was very smart and mm-hmm. said mm, mm, not good and he got out um so coming from that and um, you know of course also in the united states is a free country thank god and all the different religions have always been respected so for us We learned about Christianity as another religion, a religion that believes in, excuse me, one God, has different principles, theological principles than than Jews, but but a religion that we respect. At the same time, we did learn, of course, a lot about things like the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition, where the church took terrible, terrible um, steps. And not just it was the organized church. This is what people did because this is what they were taught. Okay. And those, if you talk about Europe, Christian Europe at the time, the people who were responsible for education, the people who controlled political leaders in many times, um, this was the church. So the church was spreading this stuff. And of course, we were aware of it, but we didn't connect it necessarily to the Christians that we saw, you know, in our neighborhoods. Mm. On the other hand, Friends of mine whose parents grew up in Eastern Europe had a completely different experience. Uh, And not just the Holocaust. Before the Holocaust, uh, in the Holocaust, most of the people, you know, who were persecuting them were not uh, doing this in the name of the church. But before the Holocaust, the pogroms that were taking place in Eastern Europe for, 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 you know, since the middle of the 19th century on a regular basis, well into the 20th century, Um, where Jews on 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 certain on Christmas, for example, Jews hid in their homes because this was a time when the priests would say, Okay, if you really love Jesus, go out and kill a Jew. Now this is what was happening. Now I'm not saying all Christians were like that, but you have this this trauma uh that that Jews brought with them from those places. And, and, of course, communicated that to their children. So with those people that grew up in the shadow of those experiences, there was far more suspicion of, a, of a, just a Christian they would meet in the street, you know, in the United States. Um, so that, right. that that was always there, both sides of that.
2: Thank you. I think that really does help. And honestly, that's one of the first times, um, you know, that I've encountered your response, you know that that uh, you were taught to to sort of respect Christians as people who you know believed a little different way than you and 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 so on. We we don't hear that one all that often, and uh, it's a it's a refreshing perspective. I I do want to say, you know, kind of on behalf of of uh, my tribe, that I'm sorry. You know, we Christians, uh, sort of sort of quote unquote Christians, uh, have been horrible to the Jewish people in the past, and and we're doing our part in our little corner of uh, of christianity to uh to teach the to teach the opposite approach, and that is that we need to support and that we need to bless israel and I know that that you have uh met with and, and come across and, and work with many, many Christians who are in that same camp. And, um, I just want to tell people who are, who are watching or listening, uh, you know, today that, that this is something that we need to kind of take notice of. And I think that, you know, I, I don't go always very deep into this whole idea of, uh, you know, generational curses and the sins of the past and all those kind of things. I, I believe we're responsible for our own actions, but because we're responsible for our own actions, I think it's very important that we, that we recognize these horrible things that have happened in the past and that we do what we can do in, in our day to, uh, you know, to write those things. And so I guess one of the things I want to ask you is what are some of the ways that Christians can show support for the Jewish people even around a holiday like this, like Tisha B'Av?
0: Well, I I do think that it's a wonderful opportunity for Christians to learn their very terrible, tragic past. Uh, I don't think that a Christian today who is, you know, loves the Jewish people, they don't have to love the Jewish people, just respect and honor and treat Jewish people kindly and fairly. you know, people who feel that way today, I don't think that they are responsible for what their grandparents or ancestors or whatever may have done. I do think they're responsible for making sure that the the, the Christian environment that they are in is, is not tainted by that in any way in terms of how the message is presented to the congregation, to the next generation. I've encountered some people who are not at all anti-Semites, they're good people, they're nice people. And yet sometimes they'll say something about Jews that they don't even realize reflects a prejudice, reflects Mm -hmm. a prejudice that has been embedded in them and their families for generations. And they don't even realize the ramifications of what they're saying. So just, just to help Christians understand what is the history, where it went wrong, I think it's important for Christians to understand how this was all theologically based. I mean, when priests went out and said, go kill a Jew, they said the Jews killed Jesus. Therefore, it is, we're doing the holy work of the Lord when we're murdering a Jew. Now, you're hearing this today, Jeff, and it it horrifies you because this is not your Christianity. This is not the kind of thing you're... But, but I think it's important for Christians today to understand that once their Bible, their doctrines, their whatever, were manipulated and, and produced this kind of terrible teaching and terrible persecution of the Jews.
2: Yeah. No, it is. It's, it's horrific. And it does not reflect... Um, it does not reflect New Testament, uh, writings or, or Christianity. It's, it's not something that's, that's, uh, that's there. And, um, it really is a horrible, horrible thing. Well, we want to, you know, be able to, to teach people about this and help them understand, uh, why it's important for us to, to come alongside the Jewish people to, to bless, support, respect is a good word that you used. I love the Jewish people. I I'm one of those, but, uh, you know, I just, when we go we absolutely enjoy being in the country we enjoy interacting with people and uh, and learning more about the culture i think all of those things are ways that we can be supportive you know we're pulling together a tour right now finally we're going to bring a group back to uh, to israel next march and um we want to encourage people to have that experience and and i I really do believe, I mean, there's lots of ways that we can learn and understand better, but, but to me, one of the best ways is to actually physically go and, uh, and experience, experience the land and experience the people. And I think that, um, when, when that happens for somebody, they really, the lights, the lights begin to come on. Um, there is a, there is a petition, an online petition that people can go and, uh, and sign, um, I don't, you're familiar with this I'm sure um, if uh, if people want to go it's it's nine of aVcom nine hyphen av.com. And, uh, you can go and sign a petition and learn about ways that you can support the Jewish people on the ninth of Av. I would encourage you to, uh, to do that. And Sandra, just maybe one last question. You know, how, how can Christians learn more about supporting the specific work that you do? And, and can you recommend any other places where they can go and learn about, about Tisha B'Av that we've been discussing today?
0: Well, uh, I do want to encourage people to get onto our website at cfoic.com. Um, and there, first of all, there's a lot of educational material, and we do have more articles and films and that kind of thing that we've done about the Ninth of Av. And I would just you know, urge anybody to get on the website, send me an email, you know, and I can send you links to those particular uh, resources if you're not finding them yourself. Um, what are, we are doing, and I believe what Christian Friends of Israeli Community stands for is a complete reversal of that history. So if in the past Christians were involved mm-hmm. in in persecuting Jews and murdering Jews and, and preventing, uh, you know, the established reestablishment of a Jewish home in, in Israel, that has changed. And today, uh, Christians really have the opportunity to support the people in the very heart of biblical Israel. And that's really what we're doing. And we have, uh, whether you're talking about senior citizen centers, some of whom there's still some Holocaust survivors amongst us today. So that's even a more special kind of support, not just supporting seniors, but mm-hmm. supporting the people that were hurt in the most horrible way from this anti-Semitism. But you know, supporting children, supporting people with needs, whatever it may be, um, this is an opportunity that we have created, uh, Jews and Christians together, uh, Christians reaching out to us in Israel and saying, This was a horrible past, but today we can change the future. And the future is not just respect, but the future can also include partnership. And if both Jews and Christians read the Hebrew Scriptures, which represents about 80% of the Christian Bible, then both Christians and Jews can stand behind this idea of of a a return and and a restoration of Israel. In fact, if we were talking about Zechariah, there is this wonderful verse in in chapter 8, There shall yet be old men and women in the squares of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of their great age. And the squares of the city shall be crowded with boys and girls playing in the squares. And if you come not just to Jerusalem, but you come to Judea and Samaria, you can see that. And the fact that we're able to see that again here where I am in Samaria, there were no Jews living here since the Assyrians Destroy the northern kingdom. That was already like 120 wow. years before the destruction of the temple. And here we have recreated Jewish life here with children and elderly in the centers of the towns. And you, Christians, our Christian friends, can really be a partner in fulfilling these and so many other prophecies.
2: Beautiful. Well, we encourage you as uh, as listeners and viewers to really check that out and, uh, and consider, um, taking advantage of some of these opportunities. Come on, come on our tour. We have a, we have a, a one day, uh, optional tour at the end of our tour that, uh, will go and visit Judea and Samaria, specifically, uh, Shiloh and, uh, surrounding area there. And so we want to encourage you to come with us and, uh, who knows, we might even convince Sandra to come and meet you that day. I think probably that's a, a real possibility, but, uh, It'll be it'll be great to have you along with us, and uh, uh, so Sandra, maybe maybe uh, March next year we might be able to connect you with a group of people that we're bringing.
1: It's a date. Shalom, and thank you for listening to Keeping It Israel. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and consider supporting us to keep the conversation going. And just so you know, you can watch this podcast on our First Century Foundations YouTube channel, where you will find. All of our Keeping It Israel interviews and much more from 1st Century Foundations. So don't forget to subscribe. 1st Century Foundations exists to turn hearts around the world toward the land, people and God of Israel. We support over 70 ministries in Israel who are doing an incredible work on behalf of the Kingdom of God in so many different ways. We also take tours to Israel and we would love to have you join us please visit FirstCenturyFoundations.com to learn more about the work we do and how you can stay connected. Until next time, from all of us at First Century Foundations, God bless you and God bless Israel.